Welcome to Right Spokane Perspective with your host, Tim. And Shannon. It's opinion, fact, information, and your alert system. Stay tuned and enjoy the show. And welcome to Right Spokane Perspective on this Thursday episode. Folks, remember we are listeners supported. We appreciate those that have supported us throughout the year. We look like we're going to be getting close to the point where we're going to break even. We need some more donations for the end of the year or we're going to be pulling more money out of our own pockets. So folks, again, thanks for your support. If you've already supported us, if you like the show and you want to continue hearing us on the radio and our podcast, 10 or $20 to write Spokane Perspective, LLC, Spokane, Washington, P.O. Box 7620-99207. Uh, goes a long way. So appreciate that support out there. Looking to close the end of the year uh, not in the red. And the reason why that is is because we don't serve special interest. Our customer is you, the listener, and we provide information and interviews to help keep uh, you and us informed to make wise decision not just in elections, but also in the coming year, how we, you know, deal with the world around us. And we're going to jump into some of the news coverage for today, right after inspiration. We are without Shannon today. She is off caring for our elders, and we're going to be hopefully seeing her back in the next couple of weeks. And standing in for her is her clone in Emily. All right. Our devotion today is not a dream. It's like living in a dream you can't wake up from. People who struggle with what's sometimes called derealization or depersonalization often feel like nothing around them is quite real. While those who chronically have this feeling can be diagnosed with a disorder, it's believed to be a common mental health struggle, especially during stressful times. But sometimes the feeling persists even when life is seemingly good. It's as if our minds can't trust that good things are really happening. Scripture describes a similar struggle of God's people at times to experience his power and deliverance as something real, not just a dream. In Acts 12, when an angel delivers Peter from prison and possible execution, the apostle is described as being in a daze, not sure it was really happening. When the angel left him outside the jail, Peter finally came to his senses and realized that it had all been real. In both bad times and good, it can be hard sometimes to fully believe or experience that God is really at work in our lives. But we can trust as we wait on him, his resurrection power will one day become undeniably wonderfully real. God's light will rouse us from our sleep into the reality of life with him. Dear God, thank you that in good times and bad, whether we feel it or not, you're real, creating new life and hope. Amen. Well, I I think that we do live in times, whether we want to say they're good or bad, we live in times that it's it's hard to tell what the truth is because there's so much, you know, misinformation, disinformation out there that's presented as the truth while the truth is being hidden and, and it's, it's a struggle. So the one thing that is constant, especially for Christians is that God is real continually never changing, which is great because the world around us is in chaos and whether they're uh, being medically changed, whether they're dyeing their hair or doing things to be different or look different or identifying different corporations look like they're having different agendas. Governments look like their agendas don't match up with reality. We can identify in Christ in a belief 
and a reality that is unchanging. So as the chaos goes on in the world around us, we can go into Christmas knowing that that story will never change. There are a lot of changing stories out there, the changing of our economy, the changing of of how we look at the world uh, around us. And just going through the local news, and then we also kind of looked at some national news, we see that, you know, the economy is something that many Americans are concerned about. And the news reporting on it's pretty wild. And I just want to cover this article. It came out of the spokesman uh, last Thursday, and it says, Dow Jones hits all-time high as investors cheer progress. Now, what this has to do was with that day, 1.4% increase, uh, 500 points for the day. The Dow Jones closed at 37000 90. And it, it's the highest uh, record it, since uh, January 2022. So this says, oh, the economy's doing great. It's wonderful. The, the stock market has uh, exploded in the last couple of months. But in reality, for most Americans, the economy's not doing too well. The economy has just plummeted. Well, but not for everyone. Obviously, the investors, people out there that want to see a return on investment, higher interest rates mean higher returns. So for a lot of people that had the ability to turn around investments, obviously there were some bank failures Mm -hmm. where they had too much money in government bonds or things that were low interest rates, right? And then you have these higher interest rates. If If people were able to transition into investments that yielded higher returns because of interest, they were doing well. But for everyday citizens, the inflation really hit home. And I'll just take a a few quotes out of the article from that newspaper. It's like, woo, yeah, the economy's doing great, except wage growth is slowing. Consumers are spending less, and the job market, while still strong, is moderating to a more reasonable pace. So what this tells me is that one of the statistics we know over the last several years and since the pandemic is that under the last presidential administration, we had wage growth was outpacing inflation and the growth in the consumer price index, whereas now wage growth is slowing and we saw a a lot of increased costs for everyday costs whether it's fuel, groceries, everything that people had to spend money on. So they had less money at the end of the month because the interest rates were up, insurance rates were up, and so they had less money to spend. So it, this article says, you know, talking about the inspiration, wow, you know, there's I can I identify as rich because I have more money because I got a 10% worth of, of raises over the last two years. Well, except there was, you know, 15%, you know, in chunks compounded of increase in cost. To As live. you have to pay higher interest rates, higher grocery taxes, higher uh, gas grocery taxes. Grocery bills, gas you know, taxes, right? All of those. Higher costs all, all the way around. Used cars. Higher home prices. Higher home prices. So the prices went way up. So, uh, you know, maybe your retirement fund looks a little bit better because the increase in the Dow Jones. But overall, did the average American see prosperity because of this headline, Dow Jones. Well, I I don't think so. I think that people have to make it to retirement for those investments really to pay off. And, And it's a game over the long haul, of course. So here's another piece of the article. Although there are signs that Americans are starting to pull back, retail sales dropped slightly in October. 
Many still have extra pandemic era savings that have allowed them to keep spending. So that's a false piece of the economy. And we see that a lot with the government where they subsidize certain things. And we're going to get into some of those articles where the government is creating market disruptions or manipulating markets because of uh, money that we're borrowing, basically, that the government's going in debt to subsidize things that it prefers. So the housing market is at a standstill with mortgage rates above 7%, which is blocking a lot of first-time home buyers, preventing families from purchasing homes. Consumer sentiment has fallen for four straight months. Approval of President Biden's handling of the economy is at the lowest rate since he took office, according to a Washington Post ABC News poll. So there we are. We can sit there and identify how good the economy is doing because of what we see in the stock market, but when people are balancing their budgets for the year, the reality is far different. And so this cost of housing that we're looking at, Inslee has proposed a supplemental budget. And in that supplemental budget, he literally, and I'm going to end up quoting him, talks about subsidizing, creating housing for hundreds of thousands of people. If that doesn't sound like something from the World Economic Forum uh, of the quote, you'll own nothing and be happy. I think that Jay Inslee's definitely, and, and his administration is definitely looking at creating more government housing. And they're taking all that money from the, they're subsidizing the people that are paying for the subsidies. It's, it's really bizarre because we see all of these taxes that have got an increase our cost the scam with the uh, climate change act and the increased cost of fuel the state had hundreds and hundreds of millions billions of dollars that they're looking at bringing in and then they're going to turn around and tell the people that the government is here to help because you know obviously you're paying way too much to live we're going to provide you with some housing but they're providing them with housing that those people are paying for through increased gas taxes, increased property taxes, increased everything. So a manipulation on how our government identifies. Uh, we think we're a representative republic. They say we're a democracy, but we're really turning into what looks more socialist or fascist. And uh, you've got some housing information over there too, don't you, Emily? Yes, from the Epic Times, we're looking at millions of, Amer of Americans are embracing the van life amid surging home prices. So, just looking at that title, we're we're talking about home prices and people, home buyers, first home buyers being priced out because houses are extremely high. And so, we're looking at in the article it says more than three million Americans live in recreation vehicles, vans, campers, and converted buses. That's a lot of people. That is a lot of people. Well, and that's not just the uh, homeless individuals. You know, you've got those drug campers that you see that move into neighborhoods and there's prostitution and drugs. That This is not about the, the homeless population. This is about people that have abandoned the American dream of home ownership because if you're on a fixed income, you can even survive on uh, government subsidies if you're on disability or things like that. It's way cheaper to, to own a vehicle, you're going to probably need to own one anyways to get to the grocery store to have those things. So just get yourself a recreational vehicle that you can basically travel in. And uh, I've seen quite a bit of that on the roadways as I've traveled across the state. Lots of people living in these vehicles and uh, just occasionally using services or maybe even renting a, a hotel room to, you know, uh, have access to the, the better showers and things like that. But if they're fueling up at truck stops, 
there's showers there. So they don't, they don't have to survive based upon government's desire to collect property taxes, uh, basically rent the property to property owners. Yeah, this article says almost exactly that, that, I mean, there is a gal within this article that used national forest because you have a, you have a picnic table, a fire pit, and a dumpster, and according to this individual, it's high-class living, and she only had to pay a small amount of money to stay in a place for about two weeks, and she got to stay there two weeks out of each month. So the small well, amount some, of money- Some national parks, you don't even have to spend a whole bunch of money because there's- camping you can camp freely in national parks all across the country a lot of places you just there's already an existing fire pit there's a place to pull mm-hmm. off of a of a, a forest service road you pull off that forest service road and you can camp there you keep the campsite clean you're not going to have the rangers chasing you out and and you can stay there for several weeks and then move to another location and some of these areas are not too far from small towns and places where they can resupply and it's much cheaper living than trying to find an apartment to live in yeah. where you still have the, the cost of a vehicle if you're a person that's disabled and you have just a, a fixed income so you're looking at an apartment that's two thousand dollars a month well go see a little bit of the country notice the wildlife living outside your van People are finding ways to live that way. Many of us might have to do the same with government proposals of spending, wasting more and more money, and trying to force us all into those little cubicle prison cells called apartments. We're going to take a break. We'll be right back. I'm dreaming of a wise Christmas. You know, whether we have a lot of snow or not, Right Spokane Perspective wants to wish you and yours a Merry Christmas with these words that Shannon has for you. All the Christmas presents in the world are worth nothing without the presence of Christ. David Jeremiah. Thanks again from Right Spokane Perspective and thank you listeners who have supported us to keep us on the air by going to rightspokaneperspective.com and donating or by sending those donations to Right Spokane Perspective LLC PO Box 7620 99207. Have a Merry Christmas. And welcome back from the break. We're here on Right Spokane Perspective on this Thursday episode talking about the new kind of living that we might be doing here in the future as the taxation cost of living continues to skyrocket. We have more and more uh, people in our country living in the vans and and as this article that Emily brought up in the first half is talking about some of these folks see that this is a decent lifestyle. You don't have to live in that apartment complex with high crime and lots of drama with your neighbors fighting for a parking spot. You can visit national forest land Uh, for a lot of these folks that are disabled living on a fixed income. Uh, they can have a decent little RV van converted bus. I know you see these on the road, whether the Dodge or Mercedes vans uh, with, you know, fold down beds on the inside. There's plenty of services available out there having to do with, uh, you know, tr- basically truck drivers who live out of their vehicles. So I see a lot of that myself where people are living in these kinds of vehicles and, you know, just sidestepping the cost of living with the skyrocketing uh, home prices. Yeah, and within Florida, the a specific Van Life Outfitters, which is interesting that there's a specific Van company Life, for yeah. that, they're based in Florida, 
where they're seeing a whole new surge of people coming in, which means a lot of profit coming in. So a lot of people are going there due to rent prices, home prices, mortgage rates. Um, They're not showing a sign of decrease or any relief. And so the company is getting a huge increase in sales because more people are moving into the mobile living space of van life. That's right. Well, and there's a lot of resources out there that if you live in an apartment, you don't really realize if you live in a home and you're trying to figure out how to pay the taxes and the insurance. Of course, if you talk to an elderly person today, they will tell you that they're spending more on taxes and insurance to live in the home where they raise their kids than when they were paying the bank to try to pay the house off. It's more expensive to live in the house now that they supposedly own it, but it's all the money's going to the insurance company and the government. And so this is a, another way that even some of our elderly are enjoying the van life or the RV life. You pick up an RV and, you know, spend some of your golden years in there until uh, unfortunately you probably get put into a home situation uh, once you uh, age out of the ability to, to live that way. Yeah, it's sad to see that many people are having to move away from the American dream that a lot of people grew up in. They, you know, have the nice house, have a family, be able to retire or a multi-generational home. And a lot of people are having to move to a more affordable pace due to our economic affordable what's affordable well, every time the uh, <laughs> a politician talks about affordable housing it gets more expensive and and really what this is doing is they're not just stealing the american dream by trying to transition everyone to apartment-based living and the government's um role in making housing so much more expensive and of course interest rates is another piece of that but you're taking away generational wealth because folks are getting out of that mortgage or uh, selling that what used to be considered an asset that now they feel is a liability, then there's nothing to leave behind for the next generation because uh, I think a lot of the f- of people that when they see that generational wealth show up in an old wore out RV, I don't see that as, uh, as generational wealth. So Well, within that issue, you're seeing people around my age. I'm turning, you know, 22. You see people around my age. We can't afford anything. And so the multi-generational homes back in the 50s were a blessing to us because we just inherited properties and made sure that we took care of our parents. We took care of everything. We we assumed that responsibility as their children. And nowadays, you're seeing... Young adults around my age struggling to just pay for an apartment. Couch surfing. Yes. That's kind of a new phenomenon. Well, then you're in your last year at the university, and so you're looking at adult life. And, and talking to people in your generation, Emily, I see nothing but terror and horror in That's their That's the only eyes. thing they talk about in school is we look yeah. forward, we look at our student loans, we look at housing, we look at possible well, in some right minds starting a family others going off to do who knows what who but knows what? well the university didn't exactly prepare them for the real world <laughs> not There's a at lot all of insane ideas and and uh, the university a lot of the students you've told me about you've had to struggle working with this idea of they own the future and they are entitled entitled to a job that pays six figures right outside. We're, we're going to leave this institution where we learned how to get tattoos that our parents advised us against. We've dyed our hair. We we're got partying. The, the, yeah, the party life of the university. And we're going to jump out into a field that's kind of what we 
thought we learned about in college and they're going to pay us a fortune to work there. Yeah, unfortunately, I mean, me as a working college student, I worked two jobs while going to school and I'm still going to have to pay student loans. And I'm looking at all these students that didn't work during college that have thousands of dollars worth of student loans that they have to pay looking at well, their dream them job that they're not going to get. And many of them weren't near as responsible as you in keeping that college debt down. Your college debt is extremely low. So you, you've got, well, people, unfortunately, that are, you've I got was, people that owe more on their college loans than a lot of people owe on their houses. However, many of those have not been working jobs. They right. maybe work 10 hours during the week, which is so not a work bar- week. So they're just borrowing the money exactly. to survive, so, to, to, to buy. The- and I actually mm-hmm. saw an article about that not too long ago, and it was talking about the the college loan crisis, and it showed a picture of a college student with a you know $1,500 phone and an Apple watch and uh, you know the, the $7 uh, espresso, double mocha latte. I don't know, grande. Something, you know, there. yeah. And and you know, they had the dyed hair, perfect. You know, fifty dollar haircut, and and so you had all these things that were all for one on the high end of the price of the products that you could actually have. These college students expect to have the coolest new thing, and it's all borrowed money. So they get out of college and they got. in debt or $150,000 in debt. And they wonder why no one's going to hire them. Well, because you expect the high end of the pay scale. You want a brand new office chair. You want an office with a window. And you have no skills other than a college degree. And this is the issue within my generation, within college. The entitlement within each individual is saying, I got my four-year degree. I got my eight-year degree. I have a PhD. It is the entitlement that I have to have it this way, but that's not how the world works, especially within the housing crisis. You don't get to bid, I think this is how much the house is because this is how much I want to put down. It's all about well, the that's self. Well, the, that's the dangers of the socialism taught in universities as well because they're entitled to housing, except what housing are you entitled to? There's low-income housing that Jay Inslee wants to fund if you want to live in an apartment you know, next to drug addicts and things like that. But the, the reality is having that college degree is, is great. I think that the degrees are greatly diminished because all of the woke, sexual, gender, uh, transgender, all of that stuff that you've gone through in the university was a complete waste of your time when you could have been learning real skills to prepare you for the workplace. But Especially within finances, finding a home and learning how to actually finance. They, they never even taught most of the college students that you've gone to school with about amortization schedules of a mortgage. I have not yet learned that either. And you're in your fourth year of college. I just finished a financial accounting course, which went over some, but I've learned just a smidge about amortization, but that was only within businesses. That's not within the home. That's not within any other finances. And so you're talking about people that are getting business administrations degrees that are not even going to be able to financially budget their household. Well, the other thing, people around my age cannot budget. We have never been taught how to budget. And you well, can't you've go been taught on. how to budget. 
Briefly, yes. I've been taught how to budget. <laughs> However, not we're not seeing. You were taught no. how to budget in the home. I was taught how to budget within working two jobs, learning how to pay bills, pay for my own and with, my own accessories. And you had parents to guide you, and not all the students have a parent that's active to guide them. And, Which is and unfortunate. so, whether you're an irresponsible student that is in woke ideology that showed up to every lefty whatever on the college campus, or you're a responsible student that works a couple of jobs, the end result is. These students are going to get out of college. We just talked about it earlier in the show about, you know, oh, great, the stock market's up. That doesn't matter to college students that have no investments. So the stock market's up. Which they don't teach you how to do that either. But the cost, right, they don't teach you how to do that either. Well, you have to probably take specific courses on that. But still, the, the end result is you have a wave of college students, which, by the way, college enrollments are down universities are struggling because they don't have the enrollment. They don't know how they're going to fix their budgets. You've got many universities news coming out that they are in trouble with their budgets to fund the universities at their existing levels because enrollment is down because Mm -hmm. you're the youngest in the family, Emily, but you're still in your twenties. But you've, if you had a sibling that was following you looking at what you're doing, well, I don't know. Maybe I should just go be an electrician or a plumber because there's a good job that's going to pay me right now. I'll spend the next four years doing that. Then I can save up for a house. And even with trying to save up for a house, you look at the cost of entry mm-hmm. into the housing market. Most all these college students are priced out. They're exactly. going to definitely have to live in an apartment probably for a decade or more to save up the money. And that's if they get a decent job. Well, and the scary part is all of the college students that I've talked to are like, yeah, I'm going to live in, a, in my apartment with my two cats. Like yeah. it, that's the only thing they look forward to is moving to an apartment instead of what do well, I want? Where, where's God putting me in my life? Where, where am I going to move on? But yeah. no one is teaching them that they're teaching that apartments are okay because all of our professors or most of them live in apartments themselves. Well, maybe that's because a lot of them are divorced or they've, the housing market has outpriced them as well. Or they've downsized because they've already raised their children. Their children have moved on. So they moved into an apartment. I think a lot of the professors are probably doing pretty good financially. So you, you'd think they can afford a house, but in the market that we're in, not so much. And I see that, the wave of, you wouldn't even believe, I'm a millennial, right? I, I can't keep track of these age ranges. You, I can't like, either. I don't even X. know what, I don't even know what generation I'm considered. Generation I have no X. clue. I'm not sure that matters. <laughs> I think what matters is the reality that we're, that we're living in with the reality that people your age are facing. Not only are you facing a workplace where you have to keep your mouth shut about your religion mm-hmm. and your gender ideology and all this other stuff, unless you're wacko, but you have to figure out how you're going to have a family because obviously if you're going to raise a family, uh, two-bedroom apartment's not the best option. Where do the kids play? Yep. Where do you take your pets? You know, things like that. And everyone's being outpriced of ev- out of everything. There's no way to look forward to, oh, I want to live in this state. Okay, the house is... 500,000 or more at the minimum. And a decent vehicle is going to be 20,000 or more. Or more. So Unfortunately, with enough seats for your coming family. So those costs are important for the next generation to look at when it's time to vote. Because that's one of the other things is that the college campuses and students your age have really been propagandized to vote for a political party and political ideologies that are going to fund your future by building workforce housing. Oh, yeah. No, I had in one of my classes, a teacher brought some signs for one of the previous propositions that was put on the 
previous ballot about saying yes or no to this proposition and which is which is odd because if you talk about your political beliefs in your class or you know the the problems going on in the world you get shut down immediately unless you're talking about the woke liberal ideologies and so i wanted to talk to my teacher about this however knowing he was more left-leaning i found it interesting as soon as i walked in my class to see a sign saying no to the jail no to some things and I'm like I didn't think teachers are allowed to do this because you're supposed to be in the middle of everything you're not supposed to well with the woke, with the woke ideology charge. and what the professors are going to push is that we over incarcerate in the United States and and whatever if they don't like crime then you have to do something to punish crime but the same professor would advocate for taxing college students for climate change and that is exactly what we talked about in class taxing College students for climate change? Well, not exactly overall? for climate change, but talking about more taxes and how to fix the homeless problem, which is to tax us out of our wits. Right. Well, well, you have to have the money that come in to fund other people. So we didn't quite get to that piece of the show and we're about out of time, but I do want to talk about the, the state budget uh, in coming shows. Actually, tomorrow's show. We'll just talk about it tomorrow, Emily, because I think that it's important that we see where the government is taking all of our money and spending it. And would it be wiser just to leave the money in most of our pockets so that we can spend it in a free market way to have housing or do we need the government in the most inefficient way to to launder that money take a whole bunch of it pay for uh their friends to build and manage the housing that we might be able to live in 100 percent. there was a wise woman from britain named margaret thatcher that said don't spend money before you have it so i think our government and our local government could take a lesson or two from that okay we're gonna take off for the day we'll be with you folks again tomorrow bye-bye you have been listening to Right Spokane Perspective. We are sponsored by Right Spokane Perspective LLC and made possible by advertisers you hear and contributions from listeners like you.